Please listen carefully. Hello, universe, and welcome to the Optimus Daily Update. I'm Christy Jansen. And I'm Summer's McCatlady. <laughs> Are you going with that? Is that is that your name for the day? Go with that. <laughs> I'm Summer's McCatlady today. That's my name don't wear it out okay (laughs) anyway summers and i are part of the team behind the optimist daily making solutions the news where we bring you reader supported solutions news every day in order to change the tenor of news media social media and the direction of your day to help us all get focused on solutions seven days a week we publish positive news stories written by award-winning journalists and delivered online to your inbox and through our social channels and also we are sharing these solutions in a commute worthy walk worthy and home office worthy podcast today is thursday the 9th of june 2022 well christy I am a cat lady, officially. I know yesterday the pod was interrupted by my crazy (laughs) dog-cat shenanigans, but I'd like to celebrate with you the anniversary of the day that we rescued the kittens. Is it today? It is today. June 9th. And now I have four cats, one who is like blind in one eye, another one who is on a daily SSRI, and then two very mischievous, no longer kittens, I guess, because they're more than a year old, two mischievous black cats. So yeah, I am Summer's McCat Lady. <laughs> anyway, all the critters and creatures in my <laughs> life are good. Uh, we actually had kind of a rough start to the week because my daughter was homesick for two days with a bad cold that turned into, you know, kind of a chest thing. And I didn't sleep much those first few days. So I'm sorry if the podcast made no sense on Monday and Tuesday. But nonetheless... <laughs> Here we are. And um, yeah, speaking of pets who we like better than people, how is your dog Tucker? Oh, he's doing great. Yeah. For dogs, he's more of a cattish kind of dog as opposed to a doggy kind of dog because he's mm-hmm. he's got a the cat level of cleanliness. Yep. And he's much more interested in cats than he is people for some reason. As mm-hmm. friends, he, he tries to befriend them. They don't like him very much, but he's always interested in like, you know, checking them out. <laughs> yeah. He has one cat friend who's another big white cat, and they kind of have bonded over their mm-hmm. their big fluffiness, I guess. But all the other cats either run away from him or try to scratch him. We watch a lot of what my daughter calls kitty cat TikTok at our house. Um, that became something that she and I would share screen time is watching kitten videos on TikTok. And some of her favorites are the dogs and cats oh, yeah. interacting on TikTok. So maybe in our spare time, she and I will develop our own TikTok channel around our animals hanging out. Well, speaking of animals in our lives, should I do my article first? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because we have two articles today that have to do with, with animals and animals that we are reliant on in our world and in our food systems. My article is about insect informants. Bees help Italy's Carabinieri police force fight pollution. I love this, that the bees are actually part of the police force in in Italy because Italy has a special police force, the Carabinieri, who are known for handling high-profile criminals like the mafia. However, They are also charged with the important responsibility of protecting local forests and the surrounding environment. And so to do so, they've worked closely with an unexpected organized group, and that would be the bees. (laughs) For, (laughs) For almost five years, the special unit's headquarters in central Rome has kept a number of beehives. The bees help the Carabinieri force monitor the environment as insect informants. And that's in, you know, scare quotes there. They're insect informants. I love it. They help gather useful information, which isn't normally available, about 
atmospheric pollutions that may be present in urban areas, dioxins, other substances, and that is according to Lieutenant Colonel Giancarlo Papito, the Carbon Aries Forestry and Environmental Unit Commander. I just I just like this. And apparently the bees are helping the police force so they can gain a better understanding of the state, the actual situation that's available in the environment because the bees can gather information on things like the air pollution levels. And I, I guess they can use them to measure that through their pollen. Why the city and not the country? I mean, first of all, the country is a lot more expansive land, but in the city, they're using them in the city of Rome. Cities are actually quite biodiverse. According to the president of Italy's Apiculture Federation, Raffaele Circioni, cities are naturally rich in biodiversity. If you take the balconies, for example, where so many different plants are being taken care of, or gardens and green urban areas, these are filled with species that appeal to the bees. Both the nectar and the pollen that is being produced in Rome tells us that the city has a great variety of flowers. Right. I love the image of this. Everybody with their window boxes of whatever herbs they're growing and flowers they're growing and the little balconies around Rome and the, the rooftop gardens and, and the other walking gardens. So apparently it can support uh, having a couple of hives of bees in the Carabinieri police force. The program just received a 500,000 euro investment to extend the beekeeping project to more cities in the country. And according to Lieutenant Colonel Papito, Italy could become the first pilot case and what has been achieved here could be replicated across the rest of Europe. Uh, so it's using bees not just to pollinate our crops, but to help us determine what level of air pollution we are dealing with and then how to address it. I love what this article reminds us is, as always, we talk about sort of incorporating our relationship with nature as opposed to being separate or other from it. And then also knowing that really it elevates the value of that home garden. And it reminds us like, plant your wildflowers, grow things, your little effort, your little garden, your little balcony, Chrissy's struggling cilantro, <laughs> makes a difference in the health of our ecosystem. So it, it's empowering both humans and bees by reminding us that the work we do really, really matters. And bees are a huge part of a stable food supply because they pollinate so many of the crops that we enjoy. What else is part of our food supply, Summers? Well, so bees pollinate the crops that we enjoy. They also pollinate the crops that we sometimes feed the animals that we enjoy. However, there is this issue in that one of the biggest contributors to agricultural-induced climate effects is, in fact, the beef industry and likewise dairy industry here in the United States. So yesterday we had a story about a new device that helps farmers raise happier, healthier cows. It was a, a story about ways of increasing efficiency in cow production and in dairy distribution. So we're not, we're not just anti-meat around here at the Optimist Daily. We recognize the value of it, but we also recognize the huge environmental cost. So my headline reads, Four Policy Strategies to Reduce the Environmental Cost of Meat. Our current food system is highly flawed in a lot of different ways, but the cattle industry is certainly, you know, a leader in bad choices when it comes to the environment. Cheap meat does not reflect its true price when it comes to its negative costs to our planet. So the question is, how can we bring meat products up 
to their true costs without hurting the pocketbooks of everyday people. What can we do to improve the industry as well as the structure of how cows are cared for? Well, first recommendation is to invest in methane. Cattle are the biggest food contributors to climate change, releasing methane gas through their digestive process. If governments invested in reducing methane released from cattle through regenerative farming practices and alternative foods that they feed the cattle so they fart less, <laughs> that could make a huge impact. Multiple global companies are currently developing lab-grown meat and other tasty alternatives, which pack in just as many nutrients but hugely reduce the environmental cost of a meal. Next, regulate pollution. The U.S. is one of the biggest capitalist nations in the world, and as pollution is currently profitable, there's no incentive to reduce pollution. So if pollution were not profitable, if polluting habits were not profitable, it would reduce the likelihood they occur. Would this be like creating a tax on the pollution or would this be about just regulating it and then billing the overproducers or the biggest polluters and charging them for the... Yeah, so I think it's both, right? I think it is a tax on the pollution. And you and I have talked about a carbon tax before on food, but I also think it could be that, you know, the solution just can't always be increasing the cost of something, especially to the cost of everyday farmers who are trying to make a living. So governments really should be working on finding the answers to accelerate and working again with the private, public and policy sectors together to come up with solutions. You know, the solution, in my opinion, just levying more taxes doesn't create a solution. It can often create a lot of anxiety and fear and, you know, have a backlash effect when our policymakers then are coming into being voted True. in and out. That's part of the big pendulum that we see. What I'd like to see this regulation of pollution be more of a measurement, awareness, and looking for ways to offset it. And maybe to incentivize actually reducing pollution, exactly. which I think is the exactly. next point about making subsidies greener, to incentivize the subsidies going towards farming who is more green. Greener practices, exactly. So perhaps putting strings on those farming subsidies that require or elevate the greener farmers and those who are having pollution mitigating practices as common practice on their farms and ranches elevating the subsidy opportunity for them, right? So it's it's not just taking away capital, but it's also putting capital with organizations that are making and working towards solutions. And then last but not least is just straight up tax, right? Tax carbon, the money which is having to be put into solving problems that the cattle cause has to come from somewhere. So taxing could be a source of fund. To avoid this price increase hitting those hardest in a society which it shouldn't, such as low-income households, a carbon tax straight to the source could be introduced. I'm not entirely sure how a tax like this doesn't hurt everyday consumers, but it is part of the portfolio. Here's how it could help actually everyday consumer summers. Mm -hmm. If there's a tax that goes on carbon, so the biggest emitters, the biggest users, and all that money gets collected, mm -hmm. and then there's the dividend that gets paid back to everybody according to, you know, so instead of just using that money to, and keeping it within the government, if it gets, if it gets paid back into the populace, kind of like what they do with uh, 
the oil leases in Alaska. The oil leases in Alaska, right. Right. And right. so then that would help the people who are using less carbon intensive products more. Okay. But if you are a household that has huge trucks and flies a lot, it would hurt you more because you are going to be paying a tax on all of that carbon usage. But it'll mostly hurt the companies that are the bigger polluters. I mean, that's the idea. Taxes can help incentivize behavior in different ways. Right. Well, and we've debated the value of raising the cost of something. And Christy astutely pointed out that when you know the gas prices increase, we are more likely to be using electric vehicles. Or a more efficient car. Yeah, a more efficient car, right? You're going to drive your smaller car instead of your bigger car. Or you're going to drive less. When it comes to the cattle industry, which I know that we haven't always eaten tons of cows, and I know that the cattle industry has actually created the need for tons of cows to be eaten, right? I, I get all that. But I think it is a very sensitive thing at the moment in our world to be raising food prices and food prices in general and how we feed our families and having people scared for watching sort of between what they're seeing in inflation and they're seeing, you know, basically like increasing price of food, I think is a very, very risky action because it can have more sort of rubber banding or, or whiplash effects on policymakers when it comes down to when it's time to vote people in or out. Yeah. Well, I think this article is economist-backed solutions that, that could be reasonably implemented mm-hmm. to lessen the environmental burden and bring meat to its actual price because right. there's a exactly. lot of sort of hidden prices in, in our meat and cheap meat. Somebody's paying the cost and that means there's more pollution, there's more environmental degradation right. that is maybe needs to be captured in the price of meat. All right. Well, speaking of animals that are awesome. Oh, yes. We talk about the tortoise. We have another story that we both wanted to talk <laughs> about the tortoise. Headline reads, family's tortoise goes missing for 30 years. Turns out it was thriving in the attic. We also have a headline that reads, check out this smart dissolving pacemaker and eight strategies to handle back-to-office stress and anxiety. Christy, what else do you see today? There's also a novel drug that instructs drug-resistant malaria to self-destruct. A country is building a wall to protect nature reserve from pollution. And so much more on The Optimist Daily. Go check it out. That is it, everybody. Thanks for being here. We promise to keep sharing positive solution-based stories with ideas. Now you can participate. Our whole goal is to remind you, you are a solution maker. You have power in your life, however you choose to deploy that power. We hope it is for the good. And that's what we're here to inspire you to get connected to. To support us for free, you can share our stories on your social media, forward stories to friends, family. Make sure to leave us positive reviews on the podcast. However you do it, please be part of the solution-changing consciousness that addresses our world's biggest challenges with that problem-solving mindset. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with more solutions.